Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to a very special episode of what I'm just going to call Swings and Alvarez's. It's Swings and Mishes with Danny Alvarez today instead of Craig Mish. I'm your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché. And Danny, normally you're over with Swings and Mishes and Espanol, but today we wanted to have you here with the uh, the mothership, I guess what I'll refer to as, as the, the original OG program of Swings and Mishes. But Danny, first of all, we're recording this. Guys, I'm sorry, there's been an hours-long gap between when we've recorded and when you're listening to this. We're recording this right after the game on Thursday afternoon. So Danny, how are you doing? Still sitting at Lone Depot Park. Exactly. What I'm just seeing now is the entire baseball field, which which is great. And, and yeah, I'm happy to, to be here, Jeremy. Thank you for, for having me. Uh, it's, all, it's always a pleasure and an honor to, to be here on the, on the English side. Uh, of course, Oscar now being in, in Venezuela for a couple of weeks and, and Greg having the, the week off. Someone has to <laughs> step up just the way <laughs> some Orleans players have been doing all yeah. year long, right? Yeah, I guess that's that's a good theme here to have this happening right after the trade deadline, right? Some new faces on the podcast too. Uh, but having Danny around, for those of you who don't follow Danny, he does incredible work. Um, and I'll let him promote all of that on the back end with Alex Rabase and you know everything that he does with us as well. But we're going to talk about what the Marlins did on the field this week before we get to some of your thoughts on what they've done organizationally this month. The Marlins did get swept by the New York Yankees, but now just completed a series win over the first place New York Mets here in Miami. They won three out of four games. And for those of you who don't know, um, they were led by James Rousen because Don Mattingly did test positive for COVID-19. We are sending our best to Donnie Baseball, who, you know, we, we hope to see back at Lone Depot Park sometime soon. Uh, but with James Rousen at the helm, the Marlins played the Mets this week. And Danny, w- what were your thoughts on everything that went down on the field for the Marlins? Yeah, for sure, Jeremy. It was a, an interesting series, right? Uh, especially fa- by facing the first place New York Mets. I, I don't know if by the end of this podcast or whenever you guys are listening to it, this podcast, they're going to be uh, alone at, at that position because the Phillies are winning right now at the time we're right. recording and they're just one game behind. Crazy. Uh, so, so, so it's crazy, you know, to, to see how the, the analysis is shaping up. I, I think we never thought that the Mets and the Phillies were going to be fighting at this point of the year. Like every, everyone was pointing at the Braves as, you know, the, the top dog in, in this division. And now we see everything that, that is going through. Uh, but for the Marlins, it was important to, to win three out of four um, with guys like Brinson and Alfaro uh, stepping up stepping up big time. Uh, Brinson, we saw at the first game of the series, hitting that important grand slam with the Lusardo game or the 9-5-4 mm-hmm. game, as, as, we, as <laughs> we should call it, uh, yes. Broward County. Uh, and today, Brinson coming up big again. Big again. Same with Alfaro. Uh, guys that are just making their best out of those opportunities, right? And and it's been especially an interesting week for for Jorge, uh, moving from catcher to left field. Uh, although mm-hmm. he he did play play catcher today, but um, it's it's been really interesting. And of course, uh, we we had the opportunity to see James Rawson as a manager for for these last couple of games. We we ask him like, hey, uh, do you envision this maybe as as a future for you? You know, be, being a manager, and of course he 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 was interviewed by teams last year uh, or before 2021, and we said, hey, this might be happening soon because he's a 
a brilliant guy, a, a great baseball mind. And I liked what I, what I, what I saw from, from j Rowe, uh this, this past week, because mm-hmm. again, he's really good. Uh, the communication that he has with the players is extremely important and, and great as well. I mean, you ask Miguel or you ask um, Jesus Aguilar or talking to, for example, Francisco Cervelli, who retired last year, but it, for example, he loves uh, James Rosen. Mm. Uh, you, you can tell that he has uh, big potential, you know, to be a manager. Um, I don't know if next year or somewhere else, but uh, for sure in the, in the near term future, he's going to be a manager. Right. Well, and you know what it is about James Rousen that, that I think I like specifically for a young squad like this and, and what they were this specific moment where they were about to possibly go through some lumps is he's relentlessly positive. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's infectious. And so yeah. I can understand as guys are, who are playing on a team that, that was struggling or at any point, if you're a young player, who's just trying to develop, I can understand how working with a guy like James Rousen could help you. And so in turn, you brought up Lewis Brinson and Jorge Alfaro, who both really thrived this week for the Marlins. They both played ironically, like at a time where the Marlins just made moves to essentially not give up on them, but by acquiring Alex Jackson and Brian De La Cruz, you're signaling it's time to move on from some of the guys that we played. And now all of a sudden those two guys have what might've been their hottest weeks in Marlins uniforms. Right. And in the final game, coming through with RBIs in the three and the four hole for the Miami Marlins in the eighth inning. And, you know, something Danny, you and I have spoken about, uh, you know, off this podcast on this podcast, but those two guys, we've watched them since the day we showed up to cover this team, you in 2017, me in 2018, they've both been here and those two guys work extremely hard. So yes, they have failed countless times okay like there is no they would not deny that there is no denying it neither of them has been what the marlins hoped they would be at any point in their careers so far but to see them thrive in the way that we know that they've worked in the guys that they've been toward the media despite our constant criticism right we've all fan base and and media alike have criticized lewis brinson more than anyone i can remember in a long time in a marlins yeah. uniform specifically because of how and why and when he was acquired and so to see those two guys you know in conjunction with james rousen right maintain that positivity work their butts off and and get a chance to thrive here at the major league level even if it's just for a week right even if it's just for a week it's been a feel good moment for me in this Marlins season to see that like the nine, five, four game that you mentioned, that's one of the five best Marlins game of games of this entire season. Like it will be that. And it, it was special to get to see that moment from those two guys. Yeah, for sure. It could be hundred uh, percent. The thing with, with, uh, with them and, and, you, and you nailed that, that part, it's that they've been working so hard and they've, they've been good with, with the media, like talking every time they've failed, mm-hmm. And when we need an explanation, they step up, they talk to us in on a sincere, in a very sincere way. And that's mm-hmm. really important as well, um, because it's easy to go and talk to the media or the fans or the players or everyone in the organization or that it's around the team um, when you're when you're winning and when when you are doing great. Right. But when you're having these type of moments, um, it's it's even tougher. And I and I had the chance to talk to Alfaro. Uh, personally, one-on-one uh, this week, not not like an interview, but just a conversation, like a small sure. conversation. And and of course, I, I noticed that he 
he's not, I mean, this is not what he wants to do. Of course, he's a catcher. And today after the game in, in the presser, um, Jorge Ebro asked him like, hey, do you feel like a catcher? I mean, you, you, are you still a catcher? Or like, do you feel good as a left fielder? How do you envision yourself? He's like, no, I'm 100% catcher. And that's what he said. But sure. at the same time, he knows that he has to make the best out of it in left field because it is a move that you never know how it might help him in his career. But Absolutely. Let's, let's remember, he's not 30 years old yet. He's still pretty young and mm -hmm. with incredible uh, physical conditions. And, and that's maybe that, that, and that's why the Marlins are moving him to, to left field, to try to save something and make the best out of it. Uh, and I think that he he's embracing it. He's going to do it until the end of the year or, or whenever he, he has that opportunity again. Um, even if it's in 2022, 2023, I don't know if it's going to be here in, in, in Miami or not. Um, but I, I like to see that. I like to see guys uh, competing. And that's what J-Row has been mentioning all season long. But now uh, we have a, a, a good chance to, to hear him every day uh, saying about talking about how they're going to compete. Yeah. And, and one last note on that before we do move over to, to the moves that the Marlins made at the deadline. I just think that it's, it's important for Marlins fans to, yes, there can be overall criticisms of roster management, recycling some of the same players, but on that same note, right. To see two guys in Lewis Brinson and Jorge Alfaro, who all they've done is show up and play when they're asked to play. Right. That's, you can yeah. you can get mad at mistakes. You can get mad at struggling. But all they've done for the last few years is show up when they're supposed to show up and play hard when they do. And that hasn't always led to success. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that this week turns either of them into pieces that will maintain no. with the Marlins forever. Do I think Lewis Brinson is a quality enough backup major league outfielder? I, yeah, personally, I am. But regardless of what their careers are all i'm trying to emphasize here from a positive perspective is when you look at those two men themselves they're not the ones who choose when they play and so when yeah. they do and when they've been in a marlins uniform they've done nothing but play pretty hard and and we've criticized them a lot and to see them bounce back and and play well here in this week has been a cool moment but at this point, we, we've, we've heard enough about those two guys. Let's move to, to three new additions that the Marlins have added to this roster, and they added them across the week of the trade deadline. It's Jesus Lazardo, who was traded from Oakland in the Starling Marte trade. Brian De La Cruz, who was traded from Houston, the outfielder for right-handed pitcher Yemi Garcia. And then, of course, Alex Jackson. It was the one-for-one -one swap. He's the catcher from Atlanta. The Marlins traded Adam Duvall. Those are the three guys I want to focus on here as we've already seen them with the big league club. But, Daniel, I, I want your reaction to those trades more in the moment. We'll get to how they've played on the field so far already, but what did you think of the Marlins' um, overall trade deadline as it went along? I think they were good. Specific, especially because of the Lusardo trade. And I'm very, very excited about that trade um, because every time you, you, of course, you give up a good player like Starling Martin, uh, possibly a star on, on, on Starling, um, you, you have to receive a good player. And, and of course, there's been some history with, I mean, with the Marlins trade in, trades in the last couple of years mm -hmm. that have not been that good. Uh, especially at the beginning, of course, you can make a case with Jazz's trade with uh, Sai oh, Gallon, but but uh, this one with with Lusardo, uh, 
for me was was very nice because every time you can get a, a, a pitcher, young pitcher like like him with that stuff and talent, being only 23 and with five years of control, that's mm -hmm. incredible, especially in the way the Martins organization is working now with their pitchers. Uh, we know about Sandy and Pablo and Eliezer and Sixto and Trevor and, of course, Meyer, either Kyle Nicholas, McKembley, etc. Uh, now you add Lusardo. Uh, you add more pitching depth, which is something uh, that you 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 need you need to have all the time. There's never enough pitching, as Michael Hill always uh, right. Says. Yeah, he did. Shout, shout, shout out to to Mikey. I mean, yeah. I saw him in I saw him in in Denver for the All Star break. It was amazing. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, but when when you when you add a guy like like him, you gotta feel pretty excited, especially because he's from South Florida. He has that connection with the team. Um, he grew up being a Marlins fan, and he was pretty excited about that. And I, I think it's always important when you have those type of players who are not only emotionally connected to the team, but when they're talented and when they mm -hmm. can show up that they're talented. I know Lusardo has been going through a lot of uh, things this year with Oakland, and, and it was a tough Uh, beginning of the year for him going with, you know with, with the injury uh, and then having bad outings and not being consistent as a starter or as a reliever I think he's gonna be a, a, I mean the Marlins are a good fit for him because they're they're maybe they will know how to work with him and what to fix and you know to help him to be, to be in, in that right uh, path you know to to be a successful pitcher I mean he's still 23 and with five years of control that's amazing for me no, and like you mentioned, I mean, he's he's essentially a child in terms of his MLB uh, experience. And and you're right, you know, I think the A's almost tried to use Jesus Lozardo like the Rays did with David Price back in the day, where they called him up and he was the star. And it was, all right, we're going to use him as a closer during this playoff run, and then he's going to be a starter, and then he's going to be a reliever. Yeah. And that worked out fine for them. Yeah. But that doesn't always work for young players of as they come not. up and develop. And so for Jesus to have an opportunity here where there's no immediate specific expectation of anything other than continue to work hard and continue to develop. And this is not to be a criticism, but, you know, marketing him as the hometown kid is not the same thing as like when we, when the Marlins were marketing like Peter O'Brien as the hometown kid, or even Lewis Brinson as the exactly. I was, I, I was going to mention, this is different. Like Jesus it, and, it and, different. and, Lewis, Lewis was a top prospect. It was a different, you know, yeah. it was, it was a different Just conversation at the time. It's yeah. no, but this is Jesus Lazardo has been considered at times in his sort of amateur status as a elite prospect. And there's yeah. not a lot of opportunities to bring in players with that sort of ceiling. And you saw that the Marlins, and we'd mentioned this on the last episode, that the Marlins clearly wanted Luzardo specifically because they paid the rest of that Marte deal in order to exactly. get exactly. Jesus Luzardo. He's a specific acquisition, and it wasn't just a, all right, get us the best we can for yeah. Marte and get off the money. That wasn't it. No. It was acquiring a player for the future. Which is the maybe the, the opposite to the Duval trade. Yep. Uh, But and by trading him and I and I asked Kimag about this, like, hey, the challenge of trading a player to the same division because there's it's it's always risky. Yeah, Duval has an option for next year, and you don't know if he's gonna pick up that option. But he feels good in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. The Braves apparently they feel good for uh, with him, 
and they can say, hey, uh, let's talk about next year and maybe we can offer you an extension and then boom, uh, the wall is going to be here for the next two to three years. So you, you, you never know. And that's always a, a challenge. I, I think the wall did great here. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Craig mentioned that he was not getting or it, it was it wasn't likely, you know, he wasn't likely mm-hmm. to be. It traded. wasn't likely. And of course, they were not trading with Atlanta, but they ended up. <laughs> doing You're right. It. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think Alex Jackson, he, I mean, he's a good player, mm-hmm. good defensive catcher. Um, hearing from the Braves what they, they think about him and, and the way he, he can call the game and, and guide the pitchers, that's good. And that maybe he's strongest, I mean, the strongest part of his game. Uh, hitting is the, the only uh, concern I have with Jackson, especially hitting in the big leagues because he, he crushed uh, you know, the ball in, in, in the minors. But now mm-hmm. uh, the big leagues are a whole different animal and, and that's going to be the, the big challenge for him. All right, Swings and Mishes fans, we actually wanted to take a second this week to talk to the CEO and founder of Ticket Rev, our new title sponsor here at Swings and Mishes, Jason Shatsky. So Jason, why don't you take just a second to let the folks listening know what Ticket Rev is all about? Yeah, absolutely, Jeremy, and thank you so much for having me. First first and foremost, I'm a Marlins fan, uh, just like like your audience. Um, have been living up in Palm Beach County. It's where I grew up. Um, and, and so the idea for Ticket Rev came um, from being a Miami sports fan and a Marlins fan. And so essentially, uh, our mission with Ticket Rev is to make it easier to both buy and resell tickets to your favorite live events. Um, the way it works is we're actually the first reverse marketplace. So buyers create bids on events, uh, enabling sellers to find a matching bid and uh, accept that inst- and accept and sell that ticket instantly. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so we've launched down here in Miami uh, focused on, on Marlins, among other events in the South and Central Florida region, um, and, and hope to earn the, the business and the trust of, of Marlins fans. I personally think what you're doing is great. Um, we've already had a couple of Swings and Mishes listeners reach out to us and let us know that, that they enjoyed the process of working with you and working with Ticket Rev. But how specifically can our listeners here on Swings and Mishes benefit from using your site? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll break it down individually for, for both sellers and, and then for buyers. Perfect. Um, so for sellers, if you're a Marlins season ticket holder uh, or you have tickets for a game you can't go, if you, maybe you cashed in your season ticket vouchers, want to get rid of them, um, you can come on Ticket Rev. You can view the available bids. Um, and when you find one that matches the section in the row of your ticket, you can accept that bid instantly. If you've ever attempted to list on StubHub or post it on Facebook or your Instagram story or Twitter and you just can't find a buyer, I know how much that frustration builds up. TicketRev.com, find the event, find a matching bid, accept it and transfer your tickets. There's no waiting, there's no listing, there's no determining the price, there's no competition. It's so easy and it's so quick. Um, On the other hand, for buyers, I'll give you an example. Jeremy, you and I want to go to a Marlins game next week. We create a bid for two tickets anywhere in sections eight, nine, and 10 in those letter rows A through J. We put an offer up for $50 each ticket. Now a seller with tickets in that location, come and sell them instantly. Uh, So there's more flexibility and more power for for the buyers. I mean, sellers have that instant sale capability and, and we're finding really successful transactions happen and, and just creating an experience and, and a product that, that's meaningful for everyone. Well, and Swings and Mishes listeners, you guys can use the promo code SWINGS on Ticket Rev for $10 off 
your first purchase as a buyer. And I know Jason and I are working together here to create something special for sellers as well. Jason, anything here right at the end, you just want to get in a couple sentences, uh, wrapping things up for our listeners. Yeah, even better. The promo code SWINGS actually gets you $20 off your first. Huh, well, look at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll add is that that we're a local startup. We're a new company. Um, and like I mentioned earlier in, in the podcast, we just want to earn your business and your trust and your support. Uh, you can DM us on Instagram at TicketRev. That's TicketREV. You can find me on Twitter personally at Jshatsky, J-S-H-A-T-S-K-Y, um, or at TicketRev. Um, and uh, if you have any questions or, or need help or want to work with us, just send us a note, send me a note. Um, we're rewarding our, our, our frequent sellers and actually lowering their commission. Um, so if you want to try selling with us, uh, we charge an eight and a half percent commission, but as your sales volume increases, we'll continue to lower that for you. Um, so we're super excited to, to be here and, and um, you know, hope to work with everyone soon. All right. So use that promo code SWINGS for $20 off. Swings and Mishes fans, Jason, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, Jackson struggled pretty mightily in his brief time at the major league level with the Braves. Although, you know, he's looked okay in his couple of games uh, at, the, at the plate with the Marlins has extra base hits in, in both of them, I believe with the Homer and the double. Um, yeah. But that is the big thing that I noticed with Jackson too, though, is he's real calm behind the plate and that, mm -hmm. that can change things for a pitcher. And this is again, of uh, this is of no offense to Jorge Alfaro, but when, when you struggle defensively the way that that Jorge has throughout this season in particular with pass balls and 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 things of the like, it can affect your pitchers and their own confidence in throwing their pitches and executing. And so when you have a catcher back there who exudes a level of confidence, but also that sense of calm, it does translate to your pitchers feeling more comfortable executing throughout their game. And we've seen the differences in ERA amongst the staff when Sandy Leone was back there versus, versus Alfaro. And so now yeah. to, to find a younger defensive strength in Alex Jackson, a guy who, mind you, when drafted, was not supposed to be a good defender. So has worked to become that. And so I, it's interesting, and, and, and you can continue to, to follow up on Jackson here, but the thing that I found most interesting, and I mentioned this last week as well, was that both Jackson and Brian De La Cruz were guys who were thriving at the AAA level, performing yeah. at the AAA level. And the Marlins said, all right, we'll give you your two-month shot here to do it at the big league level and earn a spot. And so those two trades I found interesting from that perspective. What was your thought process when you saw guys like Jackson and De La Cruz who were thriving at the AAA level? Yeah, 100%. They, they, they want to give give them those opportunities because they see the tools that they have, especially with Jackson being a, a young catcher and knowing how difficult it is to find a good catcher right now in the big leagues, because what are you expecting when, you, when you're getting a catcher? Because of course, with Alfaro, when you trade a guy like JT, the expectations are high because you traded maybe the best catcher in the game. Right. But after Real Muto, who are the catchers that you have, you say, okay, this, this guy is a star. Salvador Perez, and that's the end of the list. And Buster Posey, who's old. Buster, yeah, Posey, yeah. Probably right, who's Posey, old, but, but he's old. Yeah. He's old, and, and good for him. He didn't play in 2020, and now we're yeah. seeing that. How, it's really how that amazing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like, unbelievable. One of the coolest uh, stories in baseball, yeah. Exactly, but he's been dealing with injuries in the last couple of years, so uh, the situation with Buster is a whole, it's, it's completely different. Um, so, of course, the expectations – uh, might be high on, on, on Jackson, especially again, when you trade a guy like 
like Duval to the same division, I mean, the return has to be really good for you. Um, but again, they, they have the tools. And same with De La Cruz. Um, De La Cruz spent, what, like uh, maybe seven, eight years or maybe a whole decade in the, in, in the minors. And now he's, he's getting that chance to, to play here on, on a daily basis. The way he adapted, adapted to, to that right field Incredible. Park. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And, and I asked Jero about this, like, hey, what does that tell you about a player when, when he's able to, to adapt that quick to, to that position in a new ballpark and in the big leagues because he's making his major league debut. Right. And, and he said, well, it, that tells you about the, the tools that he has, his athleticism and, and how mature he is. And, and he's been able to, to do that. And, and those are, I mean, those are tough shoes, shoes to fill because Adam Dubois has been incredible in, in right field this year. He might win the gold glove in, in right, right. field at, at, at the end of the year. I mean, we, we, we don't know, but he's, he's been having that great season. And, and De La Cruz has been good overall, uh, taking good routes, um, doing the, the tough plays at the warning track against the wall, making the throws to home plate or to the bases, um, showing a good arm showing good speed, uh, good bat speed as well. And, and I really like what I, what I see from, from De La Cruz. We talked to him maybe a couple of times during this whole week. So Seems positive. Like a pretty, so positive, but so confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I mean, he <laughs> doesn't lack any confidence, but he's not uh, like but he's also arrogant not cocky. or cocky. Yeah, not at exactly. All. Exactly. Uh-huh. He's just confidence on, on what he can do. And when you go to your first restaurant you say i'm going to be the next starling marte dude you have a lot of confidence and by the way his middle name is starling so uh, what? that's that's incredible what? you didn't know about that we okay. didn't he's- lead the podcast with this i don't know i don't know why but he's- you guys could see my face if you could see it's, my face it's unbelievable but brian de la cruz's name is brian starling de la cruz i'm not kidding look it up I'm I I have I'm only talking because we can't leave too much dead air on this podcast. Yeah. But my brain is moving a thousand miles a minute <laughs> at what you just told me. No, because the irony, not the irony, but but the type of player Brian De La Cruz is is that sort of I can just do a lot of things on a baseball field type of yeah. player, and that's yeah. the same type of guy that Starling was for the Marlins. That's not to say that Brian De La Cruz is Starling Marte. Of course not. <laughs> even a second. I'm not making that comparison. Please don't aggregate me and turn it into that. What I'm saying is it's cool to see another player out here for the Marlins playing with that level of confidence who is doing a little bit of everything in his first week in a Marlins uniform. He's tr- He's been tremendous defensively, not only in terms of his range athletically, but with a rocket arm in right field. I mean, we saw him the other day stop a what would have been ordinarily a sacrifice fly on most right fielders would have been a run scored. And instead, there was not even an attempt to score on Brian De La Cruz. And he's hit the ball to all fields, which for so many of the Marlins prospects who have come up over the last five years, when we talk about sort of the new era, the new regime, and all the guys who have come up, I mean, on a, on a, you could list on a hand, on one hand, the amount of guys who have looked as comfortable in the box immediately at the major league level. It's Jesus Sanchez, it's Jazz Chisholm, and it's Brian De La Cruz. That's it. Of all the minor That's leaguers it. who have come up and immediately looked pretty good. Jesus obviously struggled, and so did Jazz in 2020, but I don't really count 2020 as a, as a real time no, for prospects. No, no. For guys who have come up and, and looked comfortable. And so 
the big thing on both of those trades and Danny, I know you, I know you have one more point here, but the big thing on both of those trades, and I emphasized it last week, I emphasized it on one of my episodes of breakfast to Jeremy's I'm going to keep emphasizing it depth within the organization of players who can play major league baseball. And the thing that frustrated so many Marlins fans at the early points of the season is whether guys were out with COVID issues or whether guys were out with injuries when starters went down, there was no one of quality to replace them. There was no one who was ready to step in and at least be half of the player that that starter was. And so as you acquire guys like Brian De La Cruz and Alex Jackson, are either of them going to be starters or superstars for the Marlins? Probably not. Probably not. But could Alex Jackson and Brian De La Cruz end up being a backup catcher and a fourth outfielder on a pretty good team? Maybe. And Maybe, so, yeah. And, and that's what you want to see in, in these last couple of months. Exactly. At, this, at the same time, I mean, with that said, we have to be careful because we know August and especially September are maybe September more months. so. Yeah. September more so are the, are the toughest months to evaluate players and especially Certainly. prospects. And, and, and yeah, um, it's, it's, it's important for them to show what they're showing or at least what they showed during this last week. But again, uh, consistency, um, it's, it's really important. And, and, and that's what I want to see. Uh, I know that they have the depth and they have the farm system, which is one of the best in baseball, but you have to support that by showing results here in the big leagues. I mean, there's nothing you can do with a top three, top four, top five farm system if they don't perform well in the big yep. leagues. And, 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 I, and I know they're confident on what they have in the system, especially with, with, with the pitchers and, and some hitters as well. But they got they got to show it up and, and let's see what uh, these last two months are, are going to bring. And it's such a fascinating time to sort of analyze the Marlins organization as a whole, right? Because these final two months are so much about evaluation. We all know it. And it, it, it's this really interesting thing where you don't often see a franchise in Major League Baseball where you're sitting and waiting on them to make the blockbuster trade, right? Like, you don't mm -hmm. normally have that, but because of the specific position the Marlins are in, where it's just this massive overabundance of pitching and not a lot of young hitting prospects who you think are going to come up and compete sometime soon, where you see the window sort of starting next year, in order for that to happen, it takes a bit of a blockbuster trade to acquire more bats. And so... It's so weird because when we do that, it's normally, you know, we're talking about that with the Miami Heat, not with the Miami Marlins. Oh, You're yeah. waiting on the blockbuster yeah. trade from a basketball team, not from a baseball franchise. And it's, it puts such a weird emphasis on these final couple of months. And what we see from all of these players throughout the organization, that's talking at the major league level all the way down through single and double A where you have some of those top prospects starting to develop. So it's a really interesting time to sort of be monitoring Marlins baseball. And obviously we'll continue to do that here on swings, but Danny, before we wrap this thing up, we've talked about what the Marlins did on the field this week. We've talked about the players they've acquired. We obviously touched on these prospects and, and, you know, we didn't even mention that Jesus Lazardo's first start in a Marlins uniform was pretty electric. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. It was pretty fun to watch the kid pitch. 
um, and to see him at Lone Depot Park. But do you have any sort of final thoughts? Because I know, obviously, being on this 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 version of Swings and Mishes, you can get some of those takes out there, get some of those thoughts out there that might not get to the same general audience. So is there anything that, that you've been thinking about the Marlins that you want to sort of note as we do go into these final couple of months? Yeah, uh, well, with, with Losardo, he's just going to get better um, mm-hmm. because, again, he's so talented, um, young, and he's going to feel pretty good here having friends and family. He mentioned in that presser after the game, I had like a hundred friends. So cool. Dude. People that I know here at the ballpark. Probably and the also, same hundred people that watched him beat me in high school. Probably. Yeah. hundred percent. <laughs> right. hundred percent. Probably all the same people. Yeah. They, they should have promoted, promoted that better uh, because he knew on Friday that he was coming mm-hmm. up to, to pitch. And, and then they announced that like four. It was interesting to me. Yeah. Four hours before the game on, on, on Monday. I know you, that you got to make moves. Take the pressure the off. Roster. Maybe maybe take the pressure off, not creating a, a lot of expectation. Right. But now, you know, you got to promote that. Every single start. Every yep. single start, uh, because that's the way you start making a connection with the fan base. And, and yep. of course, the Marlins need, need that more, uh, more than, than any other thing. Um, shout out to Miggy Rowe uh, for winning the Heart and Hustle Award once yes. again. Uh, I mean, very well deserved. I, I can't think about any other player uh, nope. in this organization, you know, to, to win that award. It's going to be interesting for him to see what's going to happen in this last couple couple weeks because he, if he gets to those uh, 500 plate appearances, uh, he has a vest, vesting option and he's going to automatically be renewed for, for 2022. Uh, they didn't trade him, so he's right now the, the front runner for, for that position in, in 2022 yep. and, and he deserves it hundred percent. It's going to be interesting. It's interesting though. What's going to happen with Jesus Aguilar and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then maybe negotiations uh, with him for a, for a contract extension or what's going to happen in November when they have to tender him a contract, because rem- remember he's facing his last year of, of arbitration. And I will, Definitely pay attention to that in, in, in the next couple of weeks because something might might happen. We we, we don't know yet uh, exactly, but something can uh, happen with uh, Jesus Aguilar. So, um, yeah, basically that's that's all I got uh, for you, for you right. guys today. And again, pretty excited to to do this. Uh, well, Danny, why don't you give everybody cool. your your social media handles and tell them where they can find all of your work? Seriously, not just your swings and misses stuff. Give give everybody the lowdown. For sure. Uh, Twitter handle, Daniel Alvarez EE, and that EE stands for El Extra Base, which is the outlet uh, I own. I created uh, years ago, and, and of course, we're dedicating a lot of work, not only with the Marlins, but with baseball in general, as, and especially Latin players. Uh, right now, we are basically focusing on Miguel Cabrera more than any other thing. Uh, as you Miggy's, should be. As, as we should be, because Miggy is two homers away from, from 500. Uh, and, and yeah, it's it's pretty exciting what, what we're doing. Uh, I invite you all guys to to follow us. And of course, it's it's in Spanish, um, but I think it's it's worth it. I mean, you can hit it friendly. It's great. It's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and just do this here. It's great, great, great content. I follow them. I follow Danny, and this is not just me saying this as a friend of Danny, which I am, and I love Danny, but I really, truly believe Danny is one of the best in this business and is going to take over 
baseball journalism as we continue to go over the next few years. Danny, I, I'm so excited about everything you're doing. It's an honor to get to work with you here. And uh, nice. Marlins fans, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Swings and Mishes. You know what? You'll probably hear from Danny sometime down the stretch of these last couple months, and maybe we'll check in. But hey, be sure to follow him on Twitter, as he said, at Daniel Alvarez EE. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Taché. You already follow Craig, so I'm not even going to bother with it. Uh, but, <laughs> but be sure to follow at Swings and Mishes as well. And Marlins fans, we'll be back with another episode next week. Hope you enjoy the Marlins on the road this weekend.